I reviewed three films in particular. Miss okay. Marks, which is a brand new film yep. about Eleanor Marks, uh, Karl Marks's uh, wonderful and tragic daughter. Um, hey Market, which is uh, an incredibly important documentary about the origin of May Day, International Workers' Day. And the third one is Whistle at Eaton Falls, which I thought would never come back. Okay, folks, this is it. Your absolutely last and best chance to check out this year's DC Labor Film Fest. All eight films have now been released and they're all still available in the AFI Silver's DC Labor Film Fest virtual screening room. We've got a link in the show notes, but they'll only be available through this coming Sunday, June 6th. So this week really is your last chance to see them. Now, if you've only got time to see a few of them, I asked Tom Zaniello, author of Working Stiffs, Union Maids, Reds, and Riff Raff, an expanded guide to films about labor, to give us his short list. And that's the topic of today's edition of Labor Goes to the Movies. As always, thanks for listening, and please like and share Labor Goes to the Movies. Here's Tom. See you at the Labor Movies. Welcome to Labor Goes to the Movies Pod Extra. We're talking today with Tom Zaniello. He's a longtime friend of the DC Labor Film Fest. He's also author of many, many books about film, including my favorite, the classic Working Stiffs, Union Maids, Reds, and Riff Raff, an expanded guide to films about labor. It's on my bedside table. Tom, obviously folks should see all eight of the films in our lineup this year, but I wanted to uh, spend a few minutes just getting your, your top picks. What is, what is Tom Zaniello most excited about this year? Oh, my, 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 my. That's, that's a hard one. I'm grasping for papers here that are papers, papers. Um, well, I found, I, I reviewed three films in particular. Miss okay. Marks, which is a brand new film yep. about Eleanor Marks, uh, Karl Marks's uh, wonderful and tragic daughter. Um, hey Market, which is uh, an incredibly important documentary about the origin of May Day, International Workers' Day. And the third one is Whistle at Eaton Falls, which I thought would never come back because it's, it's always been one of my old favorites. Um, so those are the three that I could concentrate on for this session. Let's, uh, let's start with Haymarket because uh, that one is available for free uh, for the next few days. And uh, we will be having uh, a discussion on Saturday night uh, with um, a couple of labor historians, including uh, Joe McCartan from Kalmanovitz Institute right here in DC, also Steve Breyer from CUNY up in New York. Uh, I will have the pleasure of, uh, you know, trying to trying to appear semi intelligent and ask them reasonable questions, but it's going to be uh, so that's Saturday night at eight o'clock and people can can go online and watch that for free right now. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. So let's start with Haymarket. Uh, what's what's your what are your thoughts? Well, I, I thought uh, it's a remarkable documentary for packing in a very calm and um, and measured pace, an incredible amount of information about that dramatic day, the day when um, union members um, uh, were rallying about the eight-hour day. Uh, they were surrounded in Haymarket Square in Chicago uh, by hundreds of policemen, uh, and someone threw a bomb in more or less into directly into the ranks of the policemen, uh, but that didn't stop 
pedestrians and workers from being killed as well. Uh, apparently, um, the authorities use this as an excuse uh, to round up the leading anarchists of the union movement uh, and charge them with murder. So this, this is an incredible moment in, in labor history uh, for a number of reasons. And so I, I was just impressed uh, by how the filmmakers handled this uh, incredibly important episode in labor history and, and covered it uh, at a pace uh, for a documentary which was exemplary. Now, I also have to say about this documentary is I, I thought I knew the Haymarket history, uh, but I learned uh, a, a fair number of new things, uh, which I was very pleased. So this is a film that people, whether they think they know this history or are coming to it for the first time, uh, should definitely see. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating because, of course, you know, those of us, you know, uh, who are steeped in, in labor history, you know, and Haymarket, uh, for all the reasons you've already mentioned, is really important. Uh, but it's also, and, and people don't always know this, um, you know, Saturday is May Day. It's an International uh, Workers' Day um, celebrated around the world and more and more in this country uh, as, as well. Uh, but May Day uh, actually started here in the U.S. and it started in Chicago uh, and you know, after uh, after Haymarket. And so it's it's interesting that you have this international holiday and celebration of workers, which actually started in the United States, uh, although it is not a federal holiday yet <laughs> uh, in, in this country. So that that's one of the things I think that uh, makes this film particular. It's one of the reasons we wanted uh, to show it. Uh, and I should mention also, of course, that we're uh, going uh, to have the filmmaker uh, with us, who's a fascinating guy. You folks should check out, um, I think it was our last, actually, no, it was our last uh, podcast that we did an uh, interview uh, with him. A very exciting uh, young filmmaker. He's done several other films, also Chicago-based, uh, about, about immigrants. Um, so, yeah. And I just, I just, before we move on to the other films, um, just from a you know, uh, somebody who writes about labor films and who looks at a lot of labor films. It, it's, it's, it's not, uh, you know, I think a lot of times people hear, you know, historical things and they think, oh, you know, history, capital H, you know, takes you back to those, you know, eighth grade history classes. This is dramatic stuff, right? Yes, yes. And it's revelatory stuff. I mean, uh, yes, they were hanged, but no, they weren't hanged. They did not die with the impact of the rope snapping their neck, which is supposed to happen in this kind of grotesque execution. But they lay there being strangled for seven mm. minutes mm. after they were dropped. So not only was it a horrible and probably a railroading, but it was also an atrocity. It was also a, 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 vicious, uh, a vicious execution. So that, that I learned for the first time from this film. I also learned that the wife of, uh, of one of the executed uh, Lucy Parsons, who I've known the name and her reputation for years, but until I saw this documentary, I didn't realize that she was African American. Right. Uh, and, right. And he I was, and he was white, a white immigrant. And he was white. So you had a, a an unusual um, relationship for that time. Uh, again, showing the um, what shall I say, the forwardness, the bravery. Of, uh, of, of this group of anarchists, that they would uh, live the lives that they argued uh, free people should live. So I was very impressed with, with that as well. Um, I, I would have hoped, the only thing I'm missing is how 
that favorite group, the ruling class, moved uh, uh, a workers' holiday from May 1st to September Labor Day. Um, and, and I don't really know that history, so I'd like to hear that sometime. It's, a, it's, a, it's another story. And, and by the way, you know, the, the, the uh, May 1st in this country is, uh, you know, uh, Law Enforcement Day. And that is, <laughs> that is, that is no accident, Tom Zaniello. Oh, that is no that is, accident. That is cruel and unusual punishment for the memory of, of, of these guys. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so Haymarket, like I've said, uh, it's available online for free. You can check it out. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. And again, Saturday, eight o'clock Eastern time, uh, we'll have a discussion and maybe Tom will be there. We can get more into the so. weeds and have a have a more of a discussion. All right. I need, got... to add, I need to add one epigraph from the Please film do. because Please everybody do. should know this quotation already. A time will come when our silence will be more powerful than the voices you are throttling today. Uh, that's from uh, Spears, one of the, uh, Albert Spears, one of the executed men. And the word throttling there, I think is, is a powerful verb. Okay. Absolutely. All right, so let's move on to uh, Miss Marks, which I believe, um, and again, for folks, we're rolling out, uh, we have eight films in the series, but they're not all being released at once. What will happen is that we're releasing uh, a couple at a time and the schedule is on our website, dclabor.org, click on the Labor Fest page. Um, but once they're released into the virtual screening room, they will be available all the way until June 6th. So you can get your ticket. Most of the tickets are just $5, thanks to the generous support from American Income Life, our longtime supporters and sponsors. Um, you can get your ticket and then watch it whenever you please. Uh, and then join us on Thursday nights at seven o'clock to talk about what you saw or what you want to see. All right, Miss Marks, uh, you know, it's, it's, when we first started doing labor film festivals, I mean, there were not a ton of labor films. And now, to be honest, Tom, I mean, people are just making all kinds of fascinating labor films. And who would have thought somebody would make a movie about Karl Marx's daughter that you never even heard of? Well, I have heard of, I had heard of her. And, I meant and one, I, not one, not you, of course. you. Yeah, one. Yeah, I understand. Um, no slight. <laughs> no slight no no can go uncommented on. <laughs> I anyway. know, I know. Sorry, my bad, um, my bad. Well, I'm, uh, I'm an inveterate London and Marxist tourist. So uh, having for many years visited London and all the sites, homes, statues uh, associated with Marx. And the um, London Labor Film Festival. We and, the and the London Labor Film Festival. The Labor Film Festival came way later uh, to my many trips in London, which began in the 1960s. So I knew Eleanor Marx's history in the broad uh, canvas, which is to say she was an incredibly brilliant daughter of her father, Karl Marx. She carried on his legacy, editing this like grotesque piles of manuscripts that he had worked on. In fact, his favorite method of working was to write something and throw it over his shoulder on the floor. Oh my and, God. And by the end of the day, he'd have a, you know, a brilliant essay written. Unfortunately, it was in, indecipherable to everybody except himself and his daughter, Eleanor. Uh, I also knew that she uh, was associated. She never actually married, and that's an important part of the film. Um, uh, Edward Eveling, who was a, um, a cad. I mean, he was a, simply a brilliant 
uh, philanderer and abuser, uh, took advantage of women and certainly took advantage of Eleanor and basically stole every cent she earned or inherited uh, property from her father and so forth. Uh, he was awful. He was also very progressive in terms of his politics, in terms of his, uh, his own writings. So this story reveals Eleanor Marx, a dutiful daughter, really in, in her own right, R-I-G-H-T, W-R-I-T-E, but fell in, long, fell in love with the wrong schmuck. I mean, let's, let's call a spade a spade. Just, I don't just know, say what I, you really think, Tom. Say what you really think. I don't know how many eligible men would have been in Eleanor Marx's circle that would have been better than, than the guy she ended up with. I suspect there were some others, and who knows the course of love. Uh, it's hard to predict. And in this case, she got stuck. Um, they had a very fruitful, they had a loving relationship in part. They had a fruitful relationship in terms of um, staging uh, Ibsen plays in London. Uh, Eleanor Marx translated uh, a Doll's House. Uh, as far as I know, the first person to translate that into English. Uh, wow. So she is, she was a remarkable person and this documentary brings it out. But it is a melancholy story because you know, at least most of us, and I guess I shouldn't give the spoilers, you know how this film is gonna end and it breaks your heart. It really does break your heart. Well, so I guess that's, you know, to sort of finish up on this, but, but you know, Karl Marx, obviously, I mean, you know, you know, socialism is all of a sudden, I don't want to say it's the rage, but I mean, we're having actually intelligent discussions about socialism and communism and, you know, the days when you could just, you know, red bait. It was interesting. They tried to red bait, you know, they tried to red bait Joe Biden, which, you know, <laughs> was never going to work. But, you know, the, the, the days when you could just red bait willy nilly and get away with it, hopefully, hopefully uh, we've moved beyond that. But I, I have to say that I'm not sure that, you know, if I was a financier and you came to me and said, okay, we want to make a film about Karl Marx's daughter, that I'd have been like, okay, how do I make out the check? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it, uh, in some ways it's a, it's a fascinating choice uh, because she was not only, in, obviously she was the inside of the circle, not just in the circle right. of Marx, but she was literally at the center of the circle. And then after he died, uh, really the leader of Marxism in a, uh, in a derivative family obvious way. Uh, but she's surrounded by incredibly competent people and she picks the worst possible person uh, to be her confidant and lover. Um, issues of marriage, not marriage, uh, issues of who was the father of uh, a, a person she regarded as a as a sibling or a half sibling. I mean, th th there's enough stuff here to keep a, a gossip a gossip columnist at work, uh, much less a political commentator. I I have to say, even though I knew the story, uh, I was I was was equivalent of a page turner for me. I really wanted to know how how it came out. I don't think it's a brilliant film. I don't think it's um, going to be anybody's top film of the year. Uh, but for people interested in, in labor and uh, political and Marxist history, uh, I think this will be well worth seeing. It's also, I think, a beautiful film. Uh, it's filmed uh, 
obviously historically, uh, but well. Um, there's one shot in the film, which to me is almost worth the whole, th the whole bundle. And that's when the police are lined up across the street at what look like factory gates. Behind them are masses of workers. And in front of the police line is one young boy. Wow. Obviously, oh. a, obviously a working class lad who's, I, I think he has shoes on, but he's barely dressed. And Eleanor and the boy lock eyes. The boy runs and she follows him through the slums of London, literally through the alleys and, and horrible living conditions that this boy and the, working the poor working class of London. So what starts as a brilliant composition in a shot becomes a fascinating sequence into the lives of working class Londoners. That, that alone would be worth the price of admission for me. Okay, that's Miss Marks. That's number two on Tom's hit list. Number three. Number three is The Whistle in Eaton Falls, which is an oldie but goodie. It's in my very first book. Uh, I'm reaching for my very first book, uh, Working Stiffs, uh, because uh, it literally was never shown. You could, I, I don't even know where I came up with this copy. Um, I suspect like many of the things uh, I found, uh, I found this uh, in a library collection somewhere. I don't know where, because the reason why it disappeared is why a lot of these films that are fairly progressive disappeared. This is 1951, made by two outstanding filmmakers, Sid Mock and uh, De Rochemont. Sid Mock was a director of, uh, of nitty gritty crime stories. And uh, uh, De Rochemont was a documentary directed of the March of Time series for TV. So it's a very unusual collaboration. And what we ended up with was a very nitty gritty story of a strike in this, um, in this town in New Hampshire. By the way, it was filmed on site. So it has an advantage of a realism that the March of Times documentary series had. And the story is also fascinating because it's about an ex-worker who becomes a manager uh, and the contradictions of that life. Um, and it, it reveals a 1951 that has been probably covered over in other films with gangster unionism, because that unfortunately was the association in the 1950s of cinematic portrayers of workers uh, on the waterfront is the least of your problems when it comes to that, but it's typical of it. And this film gets away from that and gives you a, gen a genuine uh, a view of, of a struggle uh, beyond it's not touched by gangsterism at all. What I found by researching this since my book was that this copy of this film even disappeared from the town in which it was filmed. Oh, they, no kidding. Wow. They couldn't even get a copy to show as a historical reminder of the day they starred in a Hollywood movie. Uh, it took them 50 years, the film came out in 1951, it took them 50 years to secure a copy to show at, at public events to celebrate the history of the town. Every town, especially not the famous ones, loves the fact that a certain movie was made in their town. It gives them a little bit of celebrity status. It makes them feel that they're not neglected by the poobahs of the world. And this is an example of, of, uh, of that. 50 years afterwards, uh, they're celebrating a film that was made in their town. So I think that's, that's another little piece of history worth preserving. And so we should definitely give a shout out uh, to you know AFI Silver Theater, uh, 
Todd Hitchcock was just telling me that he spotted it in the TCM festival uh, and knew right away. Uh, he, he knew a lot of the backstory that you just told about that this is a film that is very hard to get. It's a remastered version. So that's, that's very exciting to be able to see that. Uh, but it's also an example of, you know, not only, fun, you know, that what we do with AFI, which is to really bring folks, not only the, the latest and greatest from around the world and the new films, uh, which we'll talk about in the future uh, episodes, but films, you know, like this that are, you know, almost kind of lost to time, as you say, you know, prints get lost. Uh, and so to bring this out and bring this to folks and, and literally for you to be able to sit in your PJs on your sofa uh, and, and watch this, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, and it also, just before we wrap up, it's, it, it, it's got a few, uh, it's got a few names that folks might recognize, right, in the cast? Yeah, Lloyd Bridges. Uh, a very young Lloyd Bridges. Very young Lloyd Bridges. And um, uh, Mary Pickford, for gosh sake, is in this film. Um, who'd have thunk? Uh, yes, it's, it's, it's worth uh, an archaeological trip as well, I think. <laughs> All right, Tom Zaniello, wonderful as always to talk labor films with you. Uh, again, we will be doing this every Thursday, seven o'clock Eastern time. We've got a link in the show notes. Anybody can join in and uh, you can talk about the films that we've, you've already seen, the films that you want to see. And frankly, it, you know, uh, I think uh, somebody last night was asking about a, uh, another film. You know, is this film laborific? You know, we'll have that discussion. You know, uh, we'll, we'll 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 sick Tom on it. We'll deal with that. Tom, wonderful to talk to you. Thanks so much for well, being. Well, thank you, here. thank no. you. As usual, I enjoyed it. And if I'm on a panel, I'll let somebody get a word in edgewise. I promise. <laughs> I promise. All right, we have it there. We have it there. All right, take care, Tom. Okay, bye.